Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 530, Super Bowl Preview. Back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined with Eddie at a, a slightly earlier time, both in the week and in the day. Yeah, it's a reasonable you recording look, time you look for me. Much better in the afternoon than you do at night. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly <laughs> enough, I probably look slightly more awake at four o'clock in the afternoon than I do at you know anywhere from eleven a.m. eleven p.m. to three a.m. But yeah, no, it's uh, yep. it makes a change. We should try and do this every time. I've got so much more. I don't mind it. I love getting up early. I've got so much more energy and enthusiasm. We can see if the listeners can just. Oh, great. You're annoying enough as it is. <laughs> I am. Your stuff, your stubbornness is strong at 11 p.m. I can't imagine what it's like. <laughs> oh, at 40 I've, I've not been worn down at all. I haven't had any meetings or calls today. You're, you're basically my first human contact. <laughs> I am fully charged, ready to debate things great. in minutiae. Right. Well, I think obviously the main talking point is the Super Bowl. But before we get into the Super Bowl, because I think that's going to be the majority of our discussion, I know you are a huge LeBron fan. You've been you've been pro LeBron since day one, greatest of all time. Does this solidify his status for you, Eddie, as now being the NBA's all-time leading scorer with still several years left in his career? Yeah, at least a couple. Uh, no, for me, he's still not the greatest. You know, I go back to like, this is super impressive. I don't know. Like, I don't think this record will be broken in our lifetime. I, I always, it's always difficult to say ever because who knows how the sport evolves and, and, you know, changes in terms of, but I would say unlikely it's broken in our lifetime, and that puts it on a fairly short list of spo- of relevant sporting records that will not be broken in our lifetime. You know, there's only a handful. We've spoken about Wayne Gretzky and some of the records he holds. He's on that list. Now LeBron is there. You know, you have some others, some Olympic records that have, have stood for a while that maybe will never be broken. It's uh, It puts you in select company. So he definitely is one of the greatest athletes of all time. But I just still give, in terms of players I've personally witnessed, because it's difficult to debate players when you're only watching highlight tape and you know you weren't there in the moment to appreciate just how different they were from everyone else in their own era, I still give the edge to Jordan. But... I will say this. Well, I mean, I, listen, listen, so I guess one way I can lead you into that is the fact that on one of your biggest accomplishments in your career, you can't even will your team to win <laughs> that game. Is that any of what in, in somewhat seriousness, you know, like, is that an indication of the type of athlete he is in the sense that he might not be the greatest of all time because that team aspect is lacking compared to someone like Jordan, who is the ultimate, you know, like I will do whatever it takes to win this game for my team. Um, A little bit probably, but I mean, the Lakers are not great. 
it was clear he was going to try and break the record yesterday once you saw the list of famous people that had been invited and also all his sort of friends and family from Akron. Once you saw all of that, you know, you would have bet your life on the fact that he was going to try and score 36 points or I think it is what he needed, right, and ended up on 38. Maybe the criticism you'd have, he also broke the record towards the end of the third quarter, right at the end of the third quarter, he only scores two points in the fourth quarter in a close loss. So his mind was clearly only on one thing. And maybe that is a little bit of the difference in terms of mindset is that he was solely focused on a personal achievement and not just on winning a game. But I'm a little bit surprised. I'm surprised that he, in a sense, could have accepted losing, uh, breaking the record in a loss. I'm also a little bit surprised that he decided in a sense that he would wanted to break the record against the Oklahoma City Thunder because it's just now I know Kareem broke the record against the Jazz in a game in Las Vegas, interestingly enough, because back then the Jazz used to play a handful of games in Vegas uh, to get extra revenue. So it's not as if Kareem had set the record against an esteemed opponent, but he could have broken the record in the Lakers' next outing against the Bucks, against Giannis, arguably the best player currently playing, that would have seemed a little bit more <laughs> fitting. But I don't know. I mean, it's also weird, right? Because the NBA all-time leading point scorer doesn't factor in playoff points. So he's he's he broke this record yeah. ages ago if you factor in playoff points. <laughs> like he's been leading. He's been the NBA's all-time leading scorer for all points for a while it's kind of weird to not include playoff points in that statistic i don't really understand why so i mean you talked about some of the records that never be broken you brought up gretzky so gretzky is another great example of you know breaking it with years to play so he broke gordy howe's record and then played another six seasons after that lebron is 38 how many more seasons does lebron have well, he's, he, I mean, he's claimed he wants to play with his kids, right? Which would put him at needing to play at least three more seasons, I think. I think he's definitely got two more seasons in him. After that, it's probably dependent a little bit on the situation that he's in. There's going to be a certain moment in time where he's going to have to make the judgment that playing on when you're not on a title contender kind of hurts your legacy. <laughs> like, yes, Jordan had the two wizard seasons where they weren't super relevant in terms of a contender, but that was only two seasons. But I think that has a complete, and it has a completely different feel to it. Like that was a very weird circumstance where he wanted to do something like unique and different and at the very end of his career. Like this isn't, this isn't the very end of LeBron's career and he's already on a team that is struggling. (laughs) Also different because Jordan spent, you know, aside from that, to those two seasons with the Wizards, entirely with the Bulls. So he didn't have this kind of ring chasing aspect to his career. Whereas LeBron, with making the move originally to Miami, then to the cat, back to the Cavs, then to the Lakers, has chased titles in terms of switching teams. And so if he then just sits on a team, like you could kind of accept Jordan not being on a team that was winning because it felt as if 
he just believed that he was the only thing that mattered for a team to win. Yeah. Like even now he probably still believes that, that if you stuck him on, you know, the current Chicago Bulls, they're instantly favorites to win the NBA <laughs> title. Whereas LeBron has been more calculated in terms of where he's been playing. Yeah. I mean, like if, if say LeBron stays on the Lakers for the rest of his career, and let's say that's another four years, let's give him four. It's interesting to me to think, like, what what jersey do you picture him in? Like, all right, so let's say you 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 go to the to the to the Hall of Fame, uh, and you see the picture of LeBron on the wall. What jersey is he wearing? Is he wearing the Cavs jersey yeah. that you know, like, because he was a Cleveland person? Is he wearing the Miami jersey where he's probably the most successful? Is he wearing the Lakers jersey because he probably will end up? playing the most seasons with the Lakers no, and their L.A.? Well, no, he'll probably end up playing the most seasons still with the Cavs unless he goes for a long time, but certainly finishing his well, career. He was, Yeah, okay, you're right. It'll be close, though. A significant chunk of his career and his end, end of his career with the Lakers. Yeah, I mean... You know, like, it's weird. That's weird to think about. No, it is, and it depends on how old you are. You know, if you're our age, then you probably picture him as a Cavs player because... You remember him coming into the like LeBron getting drafted was such a huge deal. I remember him, the coverage of him as a high school player. I remember him becoming a Cavs player. I remember those early season with the Cavs where they kind of were a one man team for so long. And so I picture him as a Cavs player. You would hope he will, he would think of himself as a Cavs player just because of how relevant he was to that franchise. In a way, like he's not as relevant to the Lakers. Yeah. Like the Lakers were great before him, will be great after him. He he was, you know, a, a messiah for Cleveland, not only on the court, but also to their economy. Like you can track the impact. Their community. Yeah, you can track the like, impact yeah. of LeBron James on the Cleveland economy. That can't be said for LA or Miami. <laughs> but yeah, it depends. If you're. Although for his economy, it's probably best being in LA. Probably, yeah. But yeah, if you're 20. <laughs> 25 or under, you probably don't picture him as a calf. It's either as a as a heat player or as as yeah. a Laker. I'll tell you what'll be interesting too. We talked about uh when Brady retired or we think he's fully retired. Last week we talked about if you split his career into those two separate like uh parts, he's still definitely a Hall of Famer, still definitely one of the best of all time. I wonder if you took him on the three teams, Cavs, Heat, and Lakers, if he would be a Hall of Famer in each three of those uh, little like mini legacies. I'd say he'd definitely be, he's definitely a Hall of Famer just from his Cavs time. Now, obviously a little... And I think from the Heat time, and, though, too. And yeah, from the Heat, from the multiple NBA final trips and, and multiple titles. Yeah. So you kind of lock yourself in there. Lakers, probably not... Yeah. Like that isolating that he's just, you know, you have the bubble NBA title. And apart from that, they've not really been relevant deep into the playoffs. So yeah, it's, but I mean, he's, he's still doing incredible things given how old he is. Right. And, and we, we've spoken about it previously. I, I do think we will look back. It's very, I think every generation probably feels as if they have grown up in one of the greatest generation of sporting icons. I just think that's how you feel. And I think you overvalue 
great athletes in your own time because you have a level of affection and attachment towards them that you'll just, you won't have again. Like I will never feel, not that I had any particular sort of affinity towards Tom Brady, but because he came into the league when I was, you know, a teenager, you feel differently about him than I do about Patrick Mahomes. Like that's just a different relationship or Trevor Lawrence, no matter how great he goes on to be, it just won't matter as much. I won't look at it in the same way. It won't be as inspiring. And so I think that's normal, but it's difficult to argue against the fact that we've probably the last 20 or so years have been the, the kind of greatest era of all around sporting greats. When you factor in, you have LeBron James, you have Tom Brady, you have Nadal, Federer, Djokovic, you have Tiger Woods, just say Djokovic. Well, yeah, but you know, like you, you really look at, you really look through that list. You have Messi, Ronaldo, and and part of that's probably just the advancements in sports medicine, professionalism, yeah. the way they train. But it's difficult to imagine that thirty years from now, we will have had a similar fifteen to twenty year window across multiple major sports. I don't know. I think I think we might. Like I think it's just always going to be getting better and there's always going to be new players coming. Oh, up. no, I think athletes will always get better. Anyone who doesn't think that you're insane. Like if you don't think we'll just continue to better the peak human performance and also people get. To- I know what you're saying, though, like in terms of like like career legacies yeah. and, and impact on and their sports, overwhelming statistics and yeah. and, you know, titles and things like that. But I think, you know, records are always going to be keep keep getting broken except maybe a select few like you said in the beginning that you know might live on forever you know like the Gretzky assist record I don't think will ever be broken but you know things like that I I think stats will always be broken no the records get broken but the records don't because like no one discusses Kareem as being the greatest player of all time right I mean he makes people's weird lists when people are trying to be you know interesting they'll pick Different. they'll pick kareem but fundamentally i they don't truly believe it you know the debate has been jordan versus lebron and anyone else you throw in is kind of just a weird curveball to try and be kind of counterculture in your opinion what about those who say kobe eddie <laughs> let me tee you up at four in the afternoon <laughs> no i won't I, we will not wade into those waters <laughs> That's, uh, but 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 uh, I can't even say the joke that I want to make. But <laughs> the the you know I I just think and and I forgot you know we could have added to the list like Serena should be on that list right like Serena Williams getting thrown in as well. I just think it's an incredible combination of athletes across multiple sports. And whilst there might be better versions of them in terms of technically gifted athletes who are better at their respective sports. I don't know if we'll necessarily have an era anytime in the near future that approaches that in terms of both their impact on the sport, their impact outside of their sports, their overall relevance. You know, like just the fact that you can call basically all of those people by their first name, and I think the vast majority of, of the population would know who they were, is kind of remarkable, right? Yeah. You know, like there are people out there who've probably never watched a game of tennis, but you can you like go up to them and say Serena and Novak 
and they've got an idea who you're talking about, or they don't follow the NBA, but you say LeBron, you know, and it's what I, I think too, it's like the one name thing, right. That always signifies that you've really made it in the stage. Like yeah. LeBron, no one needs to say LeBron James, just LeBron, you know, like tiger. Although that is Serena. a pet peeve of mine. Djokovic, I think, just because people can't say his full name very well, so they try and limit it as much as they can. But, you know, there are those ones that that is a definitely a signifier that oh, yeah. they have made it. Although that is a pet peeve of mine within the sports media when people then just start to refer to athletes, unless you are someone who directly knows that person. But, like, if I started talking about Nadal, but it was just like, well, Rafa played really well yesterday – uh, that infuriates me. <laughs> like if you do not personally know, like, and, and, and when I say personally know them, I don't mean sat down with an, for an interview with them for 20 minutes for ESPN two years ago. I mean, like you're a, a former tennis player who's been on tour with them, who kind of yeah. could potentially have their phone number. Like if you can't call him and ha and he <laughs> picks up, you can't sit on, sit in a studio and call them by their first name. Well, I guess before we get on to Jalen and Patrick then and their Super Bowl, <laughs> I, I, I have a, a bone to pick with LeBron because I have really not bet very much the past few weeks. And then I said, you know, let me try and sneak a bet in here, build up a little pot for the Super Bowl so I can go heavy on the prop bets. I love to do the prop bets for the Super Bowl, you know, do make maybe one nice big bet of a team just to win. So I went with a few uh, soccer matches and then put in uh, – I, I had like three or four, and it was, you know, like 20 to win 100. And I was like, nah, screw it. Let's go for it. So I threw in like four college basketball and five NBA, and it was like 20 to win 1,400. The only thing that didn't win <laughs> was LeBron breaking the record but not winning the freaking game yeah. that he breaks the scoring record. Like, it'll never happen again where every favorite in the NBA won, basically, and every favorite in college basketball won, like, on the same day. Never happens. There's always that dumb upset. Or, like, an NBA team decides that they just don't want to play anyone yeah, or they don't feel like playing that game and they lose. But, like, like the Nuggets blew, like, blew out. Uh, who else did I have? I had, like, so many teams that were just – weren't even close. The games were like 30 points. And then I see LeBron breaks the record and I was like, oh yeah, sorry, you broke the record. That's that's good. And then I look and they lost by three. I was so pissed. Yeah, and it, it obviously won't impact the record itself, but it has to kind of, I imagine he celebrated last night. You've got all those people in attendance and it's just a little bit of an anticlimax to lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder too, right? Like, uh, See, utmost respect. I don't think he gives. No, he a doesn't. Shit. He doesn't. But and the arena no. doesn't because after after the game and he was all smiles. You can be drinking vino tonight. Some nice vino with his stupid vino quotes he always has. <laughs> Did you see that video of <laughs> Anthony Davis sat on the bench as the record was broken? Anthony Davis just no. completely zero interest in LeBron James breaking that record. <laughs> Like the entire Lakers bench is standing, like all the players, every member of staff, every water boy, you know, like everyone, multiple players filming it themselves. And then you just have Anthony Davis who walks through them, sits down and is just sat on the bench, seemingly staring at the Jumbotron, but could have just been staring off into the distance. Just awesome. not the sign of not it. the sign of a team that uh, necessarily gets along <laughs> with each other that well. Well, I guess then my last bone to pick with that whole situation. At what point 
does someone need to be told that the shitty camera footage you have from the 40th row is the dumbest thing when there's 40 televisions live that have way better angles? Like, why do you have to film that moment as a fan? I don't get it. What's the difference between saying I was there or showing someone a video of you like shaking up and down, like barely able to get like that you're even at the game or that like LeBron's on the court? Like it doesn't add anything. Like enjoy the moment. Just enjoy the moment. You don't need to film a moment that will be filmed professionally by hundreds of people. It, it, it drives me insane. No, it is when you see now cuts to crowds. You know who didn't do it? Phil Knight. There's a great picture of Phil Knight sitting there, like watching it, and everyone around him has their phones out, and he's the only one that's just like, like taking it in and watching. Oh, if you're it. Phil Knight, I like that. You don't you don't record that. <laughs> that's if you're because that's that's also a weird look. Like it's one thing to be if you're just a normal, but all everyone around oh, no, him I know, are but, also all celebrities. But that's strange you know? too because. I get it because they're chasing their internet, like their social clout, right? So they want to be able to put it on their Instagram video of, but I mean, it's just weird to me. Like, who are you impressing fundamentally? I don't know if you're filling Floyd Mayweather and, you know, you got to film it. Why? Because no one's going to believe that you were there otherwise. I can kind of get if you're, yeah. if you're like a nobody and you suddenly got incredible seats so that you can show people like look how crazy my seats were for this Lakers game like I can't believe how good they were but if you're a celebrity or a multi-millionaire potentially billionaire I mean in the case of Phil Knight billionaire why on earth would you film it no one's you, you, are you genuinely ever going to be like go out to dinner later that night and be sitting next to like <laughs> just, oh, oh Jay-Z did you get a video of it let's see who got the better video yeah, and it was just every time like the Lakers or LeBron had the ball and it was getting close, like people were pulling out their phones and like the whole stadium just had their phones out. Like just, just well, enjoy the freaking moment. That's the other killer. There's professional cameras there. That's the other killer with a moment like that too is you had to do that multiple times. It's not yeah. like like the penalty to win the World Cup. You at least know this is it. I have an isolated opportunity to record this moment. But when it's something weird, like, will LeBron score on this possession? Film it. Oh, shit. Anthony Davis took a shot. Don't care about that video. <laughs> Let's see this. One. Anthony Davis rejected LeBron's shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you get goaltending from your own team? Is this possible? But now, at least, this is the other reason I'm surprised that LeBron, in a sense, broke the record almost as quickly as he did, is it almost removes his relevance for the remainder of the season. Like now he's just on a mediocre Lakers team that will probably make the playoffs and then get eliminated in the first round. Yeah, very true. So I, um, we can get into the Super Bowl, but I guess I want to give everyone a program update. If you, like Eddie and I, enjoy The Last of Us, the Last of Us has recognized that they don't want to step on the Super Bowl's shadow. So they are releasing their next episode on Friday. So you can get a nice little pre-Super Bowl Last of Us episode in on Friday or Saturday to uh, to get you going for the weekend. Yeah, it's a, to get that get the blood flowing, get the juices flowing it's, it's, before Sunday. It's annoying for me because I won't have time to watch it Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. 
So it being released early is of no benefit, aside from the fact that I... That's because you have friends who are uncultured. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to have people visit Paris and then make them sit down and watch The Last of Us. Eddie, if I were visiting you in Paris, I would watch The Last of Us with you on Saturday. Okay, well, yeah, because you also watch the show. I don't. They do not. That's what I'm saying. Because I'm cultured. Okay, <laughs> but that's just now. I just have to spend 72 hours avoiding spoilers, which I have to say, with The Last of Us, has not been too difficult. Like, I definitely I see yeah. the the videos go up on YouTube, like episode reviews and stuff like that. But fundamentally, uh, you don't kind of stumble across. It might be helped by the fact that it it was a video game. And so, so many people are pretty much familiar with what the storyline is going to be like with some slight divergence, but they're probably not going to have a radical shift away from that. And I think it's, and it's like the type of show where there's only two main characters. And uh, I mean, I'm not spoiling anything. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure in the next episode, not one of them is going to die suddenly. Whereas like a show like game of Thrones, they had 15, are so major characters and on any given episode one of them could die you know it was that random so that was definitely a show where you had to really avoid spoilers because you never knew what was gonna happen yeah i mean this is a a mild spoiler i guess but and maybe it won't happen in the whoa whoa i don't want to know i don't want to know don't even tell me at some point in the video game like joel dies are you kidding me (laughs) but it's not are you kidding me it's not gonna be in season one are you serious? You're going to drop that on us? <laughs> but it's not a wow. The game I think it's going to be made obvious, but but it's not going to be in in season 1 of the TV show. It is way further down the line. For starters, these I hope I hope we cut that out. <laughs> There'll be many people unhappy about that. For starters, myself included who had no idea. Well, can I edit it out of your head? Is that possible? Maybe. <laughs> It's a good chance next week I'll forget. Yeah, no, you'll be fine. He's 56 to start start off with, so I mean... Unreal. Could be the worst thing you've done in a while. <laughs> I like... There was genuine panic in your face there. But yeah, don't play the video game then. It's going to give away everything to you. But also, I'll say this. That's why I'm not. Maybe, maybe in the TV show he doesn't. Because... They've already shown some pretty major, like Bill doesn't die in the video game and died in the TV show. So well, I think those are two different levels of characters. <laughs> well, even so, <laughs> you know, well, maybe, maybe he won't die or maybe he'll die a lot sooner than he does in the video game in com- under completely different circumstances. So it's not really a spoiler. What a dick move. <laughs> what a dick move. <laughs> By the time, I'll tell you this, this is so, he's going to be so far down the line in the TV show. By the time he does die, you'll have forgotten that I told you that he dies. I'm pretty sure I won't because there's only two main characters. (laughs) Oh, I think there'll be more by the time he dies. Put it that way. Do you have have the script out for the game? You want to to go through the game real quick? Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We buy into the NFL script conspiracy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and the third. Well, speaking of, I mean, I don't know if you saw, but the uh, the script has been leaked on uh, social media. The Super Bowl script oh, yeah? has been leaked, and the uh, yes, the Eagles are going to win thirty-seven to thirty-four. Oh, that's a good game. That was the uh, yeah, very good game. 
I mean, hey, if that happens, Jice. who who leaked it? Was it was it the Eagles? Uh, Andy Reid. Oh, nice. <laughs> trying to get it changed. Yeah, trying to get fired up. <laughs> I, I I kind of enjoy the script jokes, but I think what's a little bit annoying about them is some people don't seem to be on in, them. in on the idea that the idea of people accusing the NFL of being scripted is not literally them being told what will happen in a particular game and most of the people contributing to oh i got the script of this or that understand that but there does seem to be a population of both nfl players and the general public who don't understand that that was not the actual accusation that was being leveled at the nfl yeah, I, I loved when uh, Arian Foster was on one of those shows and talked about getting the script and practice yeah. and training camp and this and that, and clearly joking. He kind of kicked it D- off. Did a good job. Did a good job of being serious about yeah. it, like deadpanning it, but was obviously joking. But people legitimately believe it. It's crazy. And part of me thinks, no, those people have to also be joking, but I don't think they are. I think they legitimately believe what he was saying. It's almost as strange to me as Aaron Rodgers going in a dark room for four days to sit for his thoughts and shit himself. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know shitting himself was part of it, but. Well, he says there's a toilet in the room, but it's in pitch black. So I don't know how well that works. And he said most people wear diapers is what he said. Okay, I didn't see that part of it. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah, sort of got. (laughs) And then they feed you food through like like a hole in the wall they like drop food in this <laughs> which again it's pitch black this is how we so know society know, like, is fucked right because we have multi-millionaires signing up paying for yeah, this signing up paying for it not signing up paying well, for it. whether signing up or paying for it to me is almost the same thing but just willingly exposing themselves to inhumane treatment like if reports came out you know if that like that it Abu Ghraib, this is what they'd been doing to prisoners of war. We would be, yeah. you know, the Geneva Convention would be brought into things. But this is some real zero dark 30 shit going on right now. Yeah, and he's paying for it. Here you have Aaron <laughs> Rodgers having that be part of the decision making process for him for which team he goes to or if he retires or doesn't. It's so strange. I would automatically be out if I'm a GM considering Aaron Rodgers. This would I would I would be sending a a fax to the Green Bay Packers and saying, "Please remove, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders from any potential trade considerations." I would love to have someone troll that as a GM and be like, "Last night while I was sitting at home with the lights on." I decided Aaron Rodgers is not for us. <laughs> you know, like something like that would be great. <laughs> Last night, I smeared my shit all over the wall. And as I watched it drip down, it clearly told me that Aaron Rodgers is not suitable for our, the yep. future of our franchise. No hallucinogens, though, he said. There will be no drugs taken. Not this This time. is just solely you in the dark with your thoughts for four days. I think it's four, right? I, that, I mean, that would drive, that would drive me insane. That would be, I, I couldn't live with my own thoughts for four days with no external distractions. I just couldn't. Well, you already, you already fucking spoiled a major HBO show, so <laughs> I can barely live with you right now. 
You know what? I take back the fact that you and I could be Bill and Frank. <laughs> because one move like that, and I'd stab you in your sleep. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> no, see, that's where you could be so much more impactful, though. Because you'd be limited to DVDs, right? Or whatever. So, And there's, like, one you've been saving. Yeah. Like, that would be a great idea. Like, you save them. Like, there's, like, ten, let's say. And you save them. And, like, none of us have seen this. No one know, or like I don't know what's gonna happen. It's like a new movie to me, you know. Yeah, and and then you spoil it right before we watch it. <laughs> no, yeah, just right as the as the HBO like he sees dead people. Yeah. Oh yeah, Bruce Willis, he's dead. That's that's the twist. That would be that would be like lines for murder. Yeah. It really would. Uh, missed opportunity. So there's. I want to. What do you think are the major talking points heading into the Super Bowl? So I have a few that I've wrote down. Which ones do you think are going to be like the most talked about? We're at Wednesday, so we're it's starting to really ramp up where it's on everything now. Which ones do you think are most people are going to talk about, and which ones are the most annoying to you? So here are just the ones I wrote down. You have the Mahomes injury and how severe it is and how amazing it is that he's playing with it, that we don't know the injury. Let me read through them and then you can pick. There's not that many. Um, The shitty officiating that has led to the Chiefs making it to the Super Bowl and whether that will continue in the Super Bowl. The Andy Reid Bowl of Andy Reid, formerly being from the Eagles, being let go after a 4-12 season and now 9 out of 10 seasons making the playoffs with the Chiefs. The Kelsey Bowl, where both Kelsey brothers are playing in the Super Bowl against each other. Or the legacy of Patrick Mahomes and that he could be the next great Tom Brady quarterback, whatever you want to say. So I haven't heard the first two discussed much so far. The three, the last three, I have ad nauseum. The Reed, Kelsey, and the Mahomes legacy. Mahomes legacy. Which one interests you the most? Andy Reed. I, I can get on board with that. Because I just think he's kind of an interesting character. I feel for as someone who's coached in the NFL as long as he has and been as high profile as he has been for such an extended period of time, I feel like I don't really know him that well. So I'd be, you know, knowing, getting some kind of insight into how whether or not this feels has added significance to him to be up against his former team. You could tell me it does or it doesn't, and I would believe you either way. He just seems like that type of person. You could tell me that all he cares about is winning Super Bowls, so he doesn't care who the opponent is, so it's of total insignificance to him. Or you could tell me that he feels like this is an opportunity to not only win a Super Bowl, but show the Eagles, really ram it down their throats that they made a mistake in getting rid of him. I'm leaning towards the fact that he probably doesn't care, that this is just about winning another Super Bowl. The Kelsey discussion I've heard pretty endlessly doesn't interest me too much because, okay, it's the first time ever that two brothers have faced each other in a Super Bowl. But given the fact that the Harbaugh's already did it as head coaches, the fact that a tight end and a center are up against each other, just I don't find to be particularly compelling. If these were two starting quarterbacks, that's huge. Or even so- like a dig situation where you could have them – like actually against against each each other. other. But the idea of like, well, they're never on the field at the same time. Even if they were for some bizarre reason, they wouldn't be going up against each other. I don't really, I don't find Kelsey too. The difference, 
I would say that the difference for me there that I think it is interesting is I think you were just going to say you don't find them very interesting, like as people. No, I wasn't. I, say that. I think they're pretty fun. Oh, okay, I think they're pretty fun. They both are pretty outspoken, kind of funny, laid back. Like I think they they are people who realize how great they have it. You know that they're in the NFL. They're they're very successful. They really enjoy what they do. They get super. You know, like they're super amped up for games. I also think too, you're potentially looking at two of the best in their position over the last five or 10 years that are brothers playing against other in the Super yes, Bowl. I mean, it, Travis Kelsey could go down as the best tight end ever. Yeah, it's hard for me to judge. Centers, I mean, there's an argument so. for that. And I mean, everyone that in around the NFL has always said Kelsey is one of the best centers, you know, in this decade. And I mean, the, the all pro stats say for themselves, not pro bowl, the all pro level. I mean, he's consistently, on the all pro uh, team or it just things like that. So I, I there because there's not a novelty of brothers being in the NFL. Like we've had Eli and Peyton Manning coexisting in the NFL, both winning Super Bowls in the same time period. So a center and a tight end. Are they both are they both Hall of Famers? Um because you're probably looking at two Hall of Famers you know, here. Name another Hall of Fame center. Um <laughs> Jeff Saturday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that, you couldn't name another one, I bet. And if Jeff Saturday hadn't recently been coaching, he wouldn't have thought of Jeff Saturday either. Um, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> good joke. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, I, yeah, as I said, it just doesn't, it's, it's a cool, it's like a, it's like a pub quiz trivia fact to me. Like what was the first Super Bowl to have two brothers on opposing teams and who were they? Like that's uh that's an interesting question 20 years from now. It's not a particular hey, Can you leave the pub guy alone? He doesn't have to sound like that. He can just sound like a normal human being. <laughs> no one who reads pub quizzes out consistently sounds like a normal human being. The requirement for like reading trivia out is that you have to do something weird with your voice. But I, yeah, I don't find it to be that fascinating. Like the only thing that would be interesting to me is if their parents came out and said, we really want X brother this to, one win. to win. Then I'm in. I'm... We, we hate this brother. Even... If it were only the Rogers. <laughs> but because it's just, okay, isn't this cool? And also the other reason I find it less interesting, they've both previously won Super Bowls. Yeah. So there's even less on the line, like the Harbaugh Bowl. If it were like they were both like in their last year, had never won, and one's going to win and one's going to retire, you know? But but take the Harbaugh Bowl. That's probably the only Super Bowl that either of the Harbaugh brothers ever wins. And they did it against each other. Like they're yeah. the highlight of one of their careers, professional careers, came at the expense of the other brother. That is at least interest like more interesting also you're really pl you're head two head coaches you are kind of having to is it oh well is it an advantage to know your brother and to know the kind of things that they might want to do but because these people players aren't competing against each other so that one doesn't interest me as much and the mahomes legacy one i feel like we just have and i know we just did a little bit of legacy conversation to start the podcast but overall i feel like there's just too much legacy talk 
you know, like Joe Burrow, if he had won, where, well, how does this impact his legacy? Well, if Jalen Hurts wins this, then it will instantly be, well, Jalen Hurts has won a Super Bowl in the first couple of seasons in the NFL. Like, could he be the next great quarterback? Like every, every outcome we have now, it's legacy talk. And so the Mahomes, I want to have the Mahomes legacy talk 10, 15 years from now when I can look at the body of work that he's had and really assess his legacy. But keep spoiling TV shows. You won't make it that far. <laughs> no, he dies in season four. <laughs> yeah. So the, I've actually heard a decent amount of the officiating just because now there's a lot of talk on the back of that Bengals losing it because of the officials as to how the officials are chosen. That's been a lot of the talk and whether there needs to be a change as to how officials for playoff games are chosen and the fact that you don't take full crews that were in the regular season working together all year. You have like a like an all-star crew gets put together that that, that they haven't officiated with each other. Uh, there's been talk that perhaps the coaches at the end of the season should vote on who they think the best officials were and that based off of that ranking, then those people will get in. So that way the coaches are having a say and then you know, they might know better than other people who they think are the most consistent or not, things like that. There's been a lot of talk about how to change it. That's kind of what I've heard on the officiating side. Not that like, how will the officials fuck this game up? You know, like not so much that, but. Which they might. Yeah. I mean, and on the Mahomes injury, I haven't heard anything because he's, he's just fine. superhuman and now could just heal high ankle sprains in three weeks. No, not even in, in sort of six days. And then. It's full. Well, now it's full. He said he's never felt better on that leg in his entire <laughs> life. <laughs> but uh, I mean, look, it's probably it's like when, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We've it's like Ray Lewis and the antler spray going into the horrible bowl. He, he ripped his bicep <laughs> off or whatever and played two weeks later. I mean, who, who knows? The antler spray. <laughs> who, who knows what what uh, weird substances Patrick Mahomes might have pumped into his body over the last three weeks. But yeah, I don't know. The storylines, it's the downside, too, of the two-week break, is it's a lot of empty mm -hmm. space to fill with people just speculating about. Because it's you can't just preview the game for two weeks, so you have to go into the sort of superfluous storylines as well. So I'll start off, Eddie, the, uh, the Super Bowl talk with a fact that I researched just for you. Well, I guess just for us. We we have the fact that we like to throw out very often that uh, holds, I think, a uh, like a nostalgia memory to us as to why the World Series is called the World Series. And this is a fact that we were told by a 95-year-old <laughs> Englishman on a train back from Royal Ascot. Yeah. It's true, though. <laughs> It is. It's a it's true. I mean, the stat is true and that story is true. Both are factual. Yeah. <laughs> so that made me look up for you, Eddie, why they call it the Super Bowl. Okay. Unfortunately, it's not as good of a story as why it's called the World Series. Well, it was, I mean, do we, I guess we had need to explain why it's called the World Series just for our listeners. Cause I, go ahead. I do think a lot of people, it's one of those things that can get leveled at Americans at times. Like, well, they call it the World Series, but it's actually only American teams that compete with a slight asterisk that you have Canadian teams down to, but, or a Canadian team right now. 
but it was because it was the New York World or whatever the name of the newspaper was. World, World News. News that was sponsoring it at the time. So it became the World Series in the same way that right now it could be the Budweiser Series. And even though that newspaper went out of business, the name was just good. They kept the name. And I think it both, it's a nice story and in, it's a really good name. I think we can agree this. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll disagree with me. The Super Bowl as a name sucks. <laughs> it's just because <laughs> it's, okay. it's not though. If you were watching a movie and they created a sport and then to the, the kind of end trophy, the game that you play in the final and then the trophy that you're given those were called the Super Bowl. You would think it was the corniest shit that had ever been put together. <laughs> well, the reason comes starts, I guess, back before the Super Bowl was uh, the Rose Bowl was like the first bowl game. And it was called the Rose Bowl because the stadium was shaped like a bowl. So that's why it was originally called the Rose Bowl. It was very, very popular. So other uh, like games adopted that where then you had the orange bowl the cotton bowl all of those games kept the bowl format just because it worked not because their stadium was necessarily shaped like a bowl like pasadena was but just because that's what it was so those became the cotton bowl things like that so the nfl when they had their first game they called it the afl nfl world championship game and all the executives thought that that was way too cumbersome of a game which you know, to say AFL NFL World Championship game is way too much of a mouthful. So Lamar Hunt, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs, called the game the Super Bowl as like a fill-in because he was kind of riffing off all the other bowl games and kind of just said, "Oh, this is the Super Bowl game." So that's where it first came from. And he says the reason he actually thought of it was because his daughter had a toy that she was playing with at the time called the Super Ball. And if you go to the no. Pro Football Hall of Fame, oh, no. you can see the toy rubber ball at the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's They need to make up a better story. If the NFL is scripted, <laughs> the first thing they need to re-script, re-edit is the story of how that came to be. But hey, look, Lamar Hunt, you hear so much about the Hunt family, right? Because the uh, AFC Championship Trophy is, is named after them. I want to put Lamar Hunt. And he he named the Super Bowl. Yeah, I want to put the Lamar. I want to put Lamar Hunt into the the kind of as on the short list of most surprising names of a white person ever. <laughs> oh jeez. Well, he is he is the reason is now called the Super Bowl, partly because he was riffing off the Rose Bowl and partly because his daughter played with a toy called the Super Bowl. Which can we say? That's a real sad state of of toy playing back in the day when the, the toy she's playing with is a ball that's somehow super. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Toys weren't very advanced back then. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. Could have been fun. I played with bouncy balls and stuff when I was a kid, so I'm assuming it was probably something similar to that. But uh, I don't know. It's a bad name. They'll never change it, but re and it's, it's not worth changing at this point because the brand yeah. of the Super Bowl is is too iconic now, but it is and they it is an undeniably bad name. And they use the Roman numerals because after the first few seasons, people were getting confused as to whether to call it the 
like Super Bowl today, the 2022 Super Bowl or 2023 Super Bowl. So to avoid confusion, they started using Roman numerals. But little did they know that Roman numerals would be taken away from all schools. So it's even more confusing because people don't understand Roman numerals anymore. <laughs> yeah, it just makes it impossible. I don't know. What is this? Super Bowl 57, I think. Yeah, but I'm not even, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not confident in that, right? So I know it's, I know it's an X of V and two singles. <laughs> okay. If you know that, then yeah, well, then we've got the seven. But I, I do wish, I wish it were just Super Bowl 23. I just, we could just do that. It, but what's going to happen? Yeah, you're 20 years away from wrapping around, but. Yeah. <laughs> then you then at that point, you switch it to Super Bowl 2062. So some, some other, I guess, interesting facts leading up to this game. Uh, the average ticket price, you want to take a guess? This is average, not lowest. For, for this game. For this game. Uh, average. Nine thousand dollars. It is eight thousand one hundred and forty-five. Close. And the that's actually it's dropped since the championship games. So like initially it spiked when the teams that won won the people went out and bought them, but it's now dropped a little bit. The lowest ticket right now is uh, five thousand dollars. That's your nosebleed section. Yeah, I can't. And I, I, the most expensive ticket right now is thirty-one thousand dollars on like the ticketing sites i can't imagine paying five thousand dollars for a crappy ticket i just yeah i mean what's crazy because if if you're on a budget and you really want to go to the super bowl you're paying five thousand a ticket you're probably paying five thousand in hotel because right now they were showing the prices in hotels they are insane in our in phoenix just crazy most already booked and airbnbs are going for like ten thousand a night it's crazy what they're trying to do there. And then, I mean, flights, you're spending over $10,000 just to go watch one game. Yeah. I mean, there's some, there's some alternatives, right? You could have driven, you could be sleeping in an RV, you know, there's, you could camp driving from Philadelphia. Why not? (laughs) You could camp, right? There's, there's some, there's some cheaper, but I cannot imagine spending, five for for a, a crappy ticket because i know how crappy crappy tickets are even in modern stadiums where they'll claim you've got great angles and everything's wonderful you're still a million miles away from the action and you're watching it on a big screen like there's yeah. there's and if it's the most important game in your life i'd rather be able to watch it perfectly yes you know <laughs> and, and also then throw in paying you know, $15 for a Bud Light or whatever it is in the stadium and $20 for some crappy nachos. You know, like I would just, yeah. Wouldn't you want to spend it with your family and friends who you, who, you know, can celebrate with you the most (laughs) if you're really into it, if you're like a diehard Eagles fan? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Also, both of these teams have won Super Bowls in the past five years. So, you know, if you didn't go to the first time around, at what point are you pulling the trigger on the $5,000 expense? <laughs> yeah. So uh, another stat, the American Gambling Association did a survey that was released yesterday, and they estimate that 50.4 million adults, or about 20% of the U.S. population, 
are going to bet on the Super Bowl and that it'll be about $16 billion spent on Super Bowl bets, which keep in mind, not all states still have legalized gambling. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're <laughs> including there, I guess, hey, at the Super Bowl party, are you going to, are you entering some like party bet? Boxes. Or yeah, boxes, whatever boxes. it is. I guess you're counted in that. So but that's, it's a scary percentage. It's crazy to think that two of the biggest states still don't have legalized gambling in, in Texas and California. <laughs> yeah. I mean, California is probably more surprising than Texas. You know, at least with Texas, you have maybe the religious component of... Yeah. So it's it's on the board in Texas, and you know who's adamantly against it? Uh, someone I guess I should... Mr. Weekend at Bernie himself, Mattress Mac. <laughs> Really? Heavily against legalizing betting in Texas. Because he sees the damage it can do? <laughs> That's what he says, because he says it's okay for him to bet because he has to drive all the way to Louisiana and has time oh. to think about his decision <laughs> versus people who are in Texas can bet instantly and lose all their money. Yeah, it's true. It's a cooling off period. You know, <laughs> if I had to drive, if I had to drive, you know, two, three hours. I think he's wrong. I I think if I have to drive multiple hours to place a bet, then as I'm driving, I'm thinking if I'm going to be spending this much time, fuck it, I'm betting everything. Yeah, I was going to bet twenty dollars. <laughs> now I'm betting two thousand. This is the only way this is worth it. I'm putting this car up. Yeah. If if I don't win this bet, I'm not getting back to Texas. It's a rental, but it's still on the line. Enterprise rent a car is going to be <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Um, the last things before we get into the game, Chris Stapleton singing the national anthem, Rihanna doing the halftime show. Let's start with the Rihanna. Are you excited about Rihanna as a halftime show? Yeah, I think she's the perfect candidate for this kind of thing. I'm sure she'll put on a good show and she has six, seven huge hits that pretty much everyone will know. Like if you've been on six, seven, try like 15, 20. No, she doesn't. Not huge hits. Not not real global chart topping hits, and I know chart topping will be. We'll get into a debate about yeah, technically this was number one everywhere, but real everyone on the planet Earth pretty much knows this song. Like if you haven't been living under a rock, you know, like everyone's heard "Umbrella." Doesn't matter. You could be ninety five, you could be fifteen, you've heard it. And I, I think she has six or seven songs that fit into that category, which makes her the perfect candidate for a Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah, I'm I'm full team team Rihanna, so I'm very excited. This is to me is the most exciting halftime show we've had in a long time. That's a controversial take given last year's halftime show, which I think most people would say was the most highly anticipated in maybe ever. I think yeah. I think Rihanna Yeah, I think Last year's would be tough to beat in a lot of ways. Also because of the significance of some of those artists right to LA. I kind of liked that element of it. I think more Super Bowl hosting cities should embrace that idea of let's try and get a local artist so that this kind of ties into we get to put a show on for, I don't know who the most famous Arizona artist would be, but... Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's tough. 
I don't think it's Rihanna. Eddie, Arizona has hosted the Super Bowl. This will be their fourth time. Do you remember the last time they hosted it and what happened? Uh, wasn't that one of the... It was one of the Patriots Super Bowls, wasn't it? It was. Is it Patriots-Giants? Patriots. No, Patriots beat the Seahawks with the game-winning Malcolm Butler interception. Oh, yeah. Do you know what that Super Bowl is most known for? Probably Not Malcolm Butler. Aside from that, uh, no, I don't know. Other than that, no. Left Shark. (laughs) Left Shark? Yeah, and the Katy Perry halftime show. Oh, okay, yes. When the one shark went off and did his own like dance wow. on like it was off off beat. Just to go through a, a list of uh, artists that they could have had, artists musicians from Arizona. So okay. could have had Alice Cooper. <laughs> could have had Stevie Nicks. Could have had Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> that would be a good one. Um, it's it's not a great gotta say it's not a not no arizona isn't known for much no it's in terms of like entertainment they had brett michaels the wrestler no the uh (laughs) music the brett the hitman heart from poison (laughs) so they'd have to have they had to have would have had to have had poison which uh yeah this is not a great list this is surprising. No. This might Arizona yeah. might be the worst state. Even even Alaska might be able to beat Arizona in terms. What they could have had is they could have had Stephanie Meyer stand up there and read Twilight. That's what Arizona's known for. <laughs> I didn't know that. So yeah, there's there's some people high on this list who I've never heard of, and then there's a few. I mean, Waylon Jennings, I guess, might be the most famous, but he's dead. So. That would be impressive. Yeah. Like when they bring <laughs> back uh, Tupac, they could have had uh, they could have had a hologram of Waylon Jennings. So the last thing for me before we get into it is the national anthem, and I have never lost a national anthem bet. This one, Eddie, is actually very very interesting. It's Chris Stapleton, and the number floats around because not everyone is putting it up this year because I think. In previous years now, they've like saw the rehearsal and it's come out. And so a lot of sites aren't even putting it up, but it's mostly most people are putting it at either 122 to 125 seconds. So either two minutes, two seconds, two minutes, five seconds, a pretty high number. Four out of the last nine country singers have gone under and have the lowest some of the lowest times ever so country singing is known for going pretty quick chris stapleton on the other hand is not known for going very quick he's uh he likes to draw things out but what's interesting is there are no recorded videos of chris stapleton ever performing the national anthem so this is the you, first you time in a that? very, very long time She's, the way you, that there isn't like videos. The way you said that wasn't so much as in, oh, there's no record of him. At, like we don't, we can't judge whether or not how long his uh, anthem will be. That was more as if it was a conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there are They've no scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> how on earth are there no recorded videos of him singing the national anthem? 
Yes. I am going to go with the under. I know Chris Stapleton loves to have that drawl and, and bring it out, but I think he knows that, and I think he knows he's known for that, so I think he's going to have the mindset of, this is the national anthem. I got to respect my country. And I'm going to go in and I'm just going to do it like it should be done. And I'm not going to draw it out. And two minutes is a pretty long national anthem unless you're drawing it out. So I'm going to go with the under this year. Yeah. You just have to think it also works against you as a country singer. Your ability to hold some of those notes is not really in line with your normal style. Right. And so, yeah, I think the under sounds. I'm not familiar with Chris Stapleton's previous work when it comes to the national anthem because of the, of, you know, main, because there's no videos because of the new world <laughs> order and mainstream media trying to suppress him. But uh, I will say, I'd say the under just because it's hard to imagine a country singer holding on to some of those final few notes for, you know, 15, 20 seconds, which when you're going to that length of time is sometimes what yeah. you have to do. So Eric Church did it two years ago, but he was also with Jasmine Sullivan. So that's a duet. doesn't count. The last male country singer to do it was Luke Bryan. And he was under. And that over under that year was 204. So about the same. And he was under. There you go. Let's get into the game, Eddie. Do I, should I kick things off by just telling you my initial gut feeling on this game? Yeah, and then I'll give you my initial gut feeling. So I find myself in the same almost heart v head situation I I was in for Bengals against the Chiefs, where my head was telling me Bengals, and then I eventually told myself, "No, you know what? I'm I'm I can live with myself more for betting on the Bengals, or in this case, in the Super Bowl, the Eagles, and losing when they're the better team." then I can live with myself on picking to go against the Chiefs and watching Chiefs and Mahomes put together a kind of master class in how to build drives and score points. And so I think I'm going to lean towards the Chiefs. Brendan Ayuk, 49ers wide receiver, told said that he had put all his money on the Chiefs. He's obviously not allowed to because that would be breaking NFL rules, but he said he would put it all on the Chiefs. Let's hope he knows that. <laughs> yeah. And then Monday morning headline, Brandon Ayuk has been suspended indefinitely from the Super Bowl after the Eagles won and he lost millions of dollars on the Chiefs. Uh but yeah, no, I'm I'm leaning I'm leaning Chiefs. So my initial reaction is almost identical to yours. I am always pro Mahomes, and I really enjoy the Chiefs. I like them as a team. I, I like, you know, Kelsey, Mahomes, Andy Reid. I can always root for them. They're fun to root for. They're fun to watch. I would rather, much rather see the Chiefs win than the Eagles because as a Giants fan, I don't like the Eagles. And even as a non, like, not related to the Giants, I just really don't like the Eagles that much. I can talk myself into it with two main things and these might be completely meaningless, but the two ways I can talk myself into it is one. I ask myself, who are the two best players on that field? And I think they are Mahomes and Kelsey and they're both on the same team. Oh. So for me, yeah, don't, don't even try. 
those to me are the two best players on that field and they're playing for the same team. I would rank them one, two before I put any Eagles up there. The second okay, thing. Can, before you move on we, from that though, can I ask you a follow-up okay. question? Mm-hmm. How long would it take you to get to another chief player on the list? So if you were ranking them in. Might be three. Who? Chris Jones. I, I can't accept that. Last last four years, he's been one of the mo- the best defensive ends in the NFL. I know, and but he has this year. He's been just as good. And playoffs, he's been this Eagles fire. team is great across the board, basically. So it's hard. It's hard to. I would find it hard to accept that the best three players on the field are all Chiefs players. Now, it, it, we also then get into that whole debate of how are we quantifying bestness. You know, because in terms of yeah, Travis Kelsey probably will go down as one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Mahomes has the potential of being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but how do you like Travis Kelsey is probably not at his very best right now, you know? So how do you gauge that? Oh, he's playing pretty phenomenal level right now in these playoffs. He is, but he, he's single handedly pulling pulling their receiving. Well, not so much against the Bengals, but yeah, the the previous week, yes. But and he's he's hurt, right? He nearly missed the game against the Bengals with his back injury, so. Anyway, that was just my follow-up question. You can go on to your second point. But but you have to admit, it's tough for you to pick other players. This isn't this – isn't you, you, I didn't hear you. This is, again, 4 p.m. Eddie, peak arguing. You didn't come oh, at 4 me and say, is not my there's, no way you, there's no way you can put this guy above Frank, them. Frank, if you think 4 p.m. is my peak arguing time, you do not know me. 4 <laughs> I would say 4 p.m. 4 p.m. is tea time. This is when I'm probably at my most zen. Uh, but okay, I I think I probably agree with you on the top two. But then top two is an arbitrary. You know, why don't we go top five? Because I think if you go, like for example, I think if you go top ten, it's probably six or seven Eagles players. But. I, I would argue you don't go that deep because as much as you like to say the NFL is a 22-man team plus special teams, it's really not. It comes down to a handful of players that make a difference in a game. Right, and, and five on two, each team seems... Two to five. Two seems... Seems a lot. Two seems pretty small. Two doesn't seem small. Two seems... Pretty... Two best players, hands down, Kelsey and Mahomes. And then my second reason I can talk myself into it is what you and both you and I have been saying all season is I still don't feel the Eagles have really played that high quality opponents. And I, and I will double up by saying they have not played a Mahomes caliber quarterback this season. Is it Dak Prescott? Is it is it 37-year-old Aaron Rodgers? Is it Kirk Cousins? Because those are the three best quarterbacks they've played. And I don't think any of them is anywhere near. Uh, hold Patrick on, hold Mahomes on. The right best now. quarterback they played was Brock Purdy, but he was only on the field for a fraction of a drive. Uh, <laughs> a one a, a one elbowed Brock Purdy. Uh, Trevor Lawrence probably makes the list of the best quarterbacks they played this season. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not the most impressive list. I mean, the teams themselves they have played, you know, we've said it all year. Like we, we started that in week four or five where we said we could see them go undefeated, you know, almost undefeated yeah. because their schedule. And what's really annoying is when you look at the strength of schedule, it's very high, but that's because the NFC East was, was good. 
all won a lot of games, but when you look back on it, I mean, did you ever think Washington could win a Super Bowl? Do you ever think the Giants could win a Super Bowl? You know, like, yeah, they had good records and they were good teams, but they weren't Super Bowl teams. No, no, I, I look, I agree with you. When you look back through their opponents, their most impressive win. I mean, week two Vikings, right? Was that like week two? Uh, week two, yeah, 24-7 against the Vikings. Dominated them. Yeah, aside from that, you know, because even and we know what we think about the Vikings. Even yeah, <laughs> and even some of the teams, right? So yes, they beat the Jags. That 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 win looks better at the end of the season than it did in for the first half when of the they season. Were free fall and they, the they, Jags, they beat yeah. them in Week Four, which is when the Jags were basically yeah. at their worst. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it is true. You look through it. Their games against the Cowboys and the Giants, and in a sense, the Forty ers are. I mean, yeah. I was gonna say, let's do playoffs. They beat da- Daniel Jones and the Giants, and they beat a team without a quarterback, quarterbackless <laughs> yeah. team. <laughs> and that game, for as much look, I don't think the Niners ever stood a chance of winning that game. And thirty-one-seven is a fair reflection on how that game ended up being. But that game was a lot closer than thirty-one-seven for a long period of time. Like it's easy to forget yeah. that if Josh Johnson doesn't fumble that snap. It's 14-7. The, Niner, the Niners are basically like getting close to midfield and have the ball and are getting the ball to start the second half. Like there was, We weren't far away from the Niners potentially being in the lead at the start of the second half. I still think they would have lost no matter what once you were down to Josh Johnson. But it's easy to look back on that and feel as if the Eagles yeah. dominated from start to finish, and they, they didn't until it became clear that, I mean, there was just no threat of the ball being thrown from the Niners. Yeah. yeah, I saw this is a little side side note. I saw a video of uh, Kittle on the sidelines of that game. Yeah, when he, when Brock Purdy came over and he goes, "Hey, can you throw at your left? Are you ambidextrous?" And just seeing how upset Purdy was, like Kittle is like at that point, I think he realized it was over and is like kind of like joking to him. And Purdy is just so you could tell he's just so upset that. This game is over, and it's pretty much I, I because think, of him, but not I th- like I, he, he didn't even like really look at Kittle. I think your so I think your interpretation because I've watched the full mic'd up, which Kittle is obviously one of the players who's mic'd up, so you get a lot of him. I think your interpretation of Kittle asking him if he's ambidextrous is wrong. I think that's not acceptance; that's desperation. That is a legitimate question of can you throw with your left hand? Because I think he realized at that point like they don't have a quarterback. So their only hope was, in a sense, can you? do you think you can throw a ball 15, 20 yards with your opposite hand because at least you know the plays? I don't know if he was serious. In I, 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 would, I would encourage you to go and watch the full video. You might think differently about the – there was no joking. It was more rallying and then gradual acceptance of the fact that it was a pretty shitty situation. And I think that's also reflected in – his post-game press conference where the uh, he was asked, like, how does it feel to lose that game? And he said, how does it feel to lose a game because I don't have a quarterback? Pretty shitty. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think I don't think there was much uh, joking going on. Yeah, but so I guess let's get into some more specifics then because you have 
two of the league's top three offenses. So the Chiefs were first in points and yards this season, and the Eagles finished third in points and yards this season. So both very good offensively. On the other side, the Eagles had the number one ranked defense. But this year, Kansas City, who I think we often think has terrible defenses, had a much improved defense than they normally do. And especially on the defensive line side. So I think that was their strong point this year. I think so. The Eagles obviously, you know, had 70 sacks and led the NFL. All right. But all right, the, Frank. The Chiefs were in second. Let me flip it though. Adjusted rankings for all this stuff. Let's go through the good offenses. If you if you say Niners, Eddie, I'm gonna slap no, you. No, let's go through the, <laughs> the no no no. If you're somehow gonna pull the Niners into this. No, let's go through no, I'm I'm you 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 applied a okay. greater level of scrutiny to the Eagles offense of, you know, or or their strength of schedule. If you're gonna start well, actually the, the Chiefs defense Let's do advanced stats. Okay. Let's you, do it. You gotta who are the good offenses I'm ears open. that they've played? The Chargers, I guess. But we're still talking about a team that ultimately, you know, flamed out in the playoffs, but their offense is good. And after that, it's the Bengals, obviously in the regular season. And I think you basically run out from that moment on on yeah. the Bills. So they have, and they play the the Jimmy G Niners, which was I don't think goes down pre McCaffrey. That's not exactly the toughest offense you're ever going to play. So, you know, they got a lot of easy. They played the Rams. That was just a train wreck all season. The Broncos twice, who somehow managed to score combined. 52 points against this Chiefs. Like, did the Broncos score 52 points in their in all of their other games? And I mean that as a genuine question. <laughs> like, probably not. They played the Texans. That's that's not tough. Obviously, the Raiders twice. The Raiders were also a train wreck. The Seahawks, not an impressive offense, really. I mean. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. This Chiefs, no, I know. this Chiefs defense, it's easy. I think a lot of times with these teams, when people focus on like how good Mahomes is or how good the offense is or Patrick, uh, Patrick Reed, uh, hopefully he's not coaching, Andy Reed as being like an <laughs> offensive guru, the focus goes on the offensive and ignores good defensive play. But applying the same test that we did to the Eagles, this Chiefs team didn't have the toughest regular season schedule when it comes to good offenses. Yeah, and one stat I found that was a pretty random stat, but I think is pretty telling, especially in this game when you have A.J. Brown, is Kansas City ranked 31st in the NFL in stopping number one receivers. So in terms of number one receivers getting yards against the Chiefs, they ranked 31st in the NFL. So... I mean, that's a pretty good indication that A.J. Brown might have a big game. And part of that is because their corners, they two out of their three corners are rookies, and the other corner, Sneed, is coming off a concussion protocol. So that is definitely a weakness in their cornerbacks. Um, they're pretty strong in stopping the run, but again, that could be a stat that we've, we've discussed things like this before, that maybe teams are behind against the Chiefs, so they're not running it as much. Uh, but they did have the fifth fewest rushing scores in the league, and gave up just 4.4 yards per carry, which is in the top 10 in the NFL. Um, and they've had, uh, in the playoffs, 
no running back has run for over 65 yards against them. So decent against the run. And I think, I think their game plan is going to be to step up and try and stop the run. Cause knowing the Eagles like to establish the run, get that going and play off of the run. I think the chiefs are going to put a lot up front to try and stop that run, which might open up AJ Brown to have a pretty big game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in, again, it's, you kind of saw the game plan in a way on how to stop the Eagles in that game against the Niners. Like the Niners defense did a good job. You you see there how you can take away both some of the threat yeah, of their one, run game. And they're not dissimilar defenses in a lot of respects in terms of being the focus of the Chiefs defense very much being on their, uh, you know, that kind of front line and not on their secondary. But yeah, it will be... I'd be amazed if either of these teams really managed to stop the other, uh, but you know, yeah, holding them to the, twenty four, twenty to thirty points will probably be the key. The other big talking point is the we mentioned it the sacks with the Eagles leading the league in sacks with seventy, and then the Chiefs I think in second with fifty five. Everyone is predicting a lot of sacks, especially on Mahomes because maybe he has an injured ankle. But keep in mind, the Chiefs had the best pass block rate in the NFL, second lowest rate of sacks allowed, and Patrick Mahomes has the lowest sack rate under pressure in the NFL this season at 11%. So while everyone thinks the Eagles are just going to come in and get eight, nine sacks, the Chiefs don't let up many sacks, and Mahomes himself does not get sacked very often. So I think that is something people are forgetting, is you very rarely see Mahomes get sacked, Unless you go back to that Super Bowl where he was running for his life. And even then, I mean, he got sacked, what, like probably like five, six times that game, but he didn't get sacked about 15 to 20 times. So his percentage was actually probably still pretty low. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that all makes makes sense. But yeah, no, I think I, it's such a difficult read to have on, on how exa- I'd like to predict exactly how this game will unfold, because I do think with the Eagles so far, a lot of the way people thought they would their games would go has been wrong. But then it's also hard to judge because the Giants just completely fell apart and then the, the Niners lost all their quarterbacks. Do you have any prop bets you like? Any anything you think you expect to see in this game? You know, like Kelsey multiple touchdowns or we don't have to get into the crazy ones, which is now they're just getting insane with the prop bets. It's we could do a whole podcast on the thousands and thousands of different prop bets they have. Um. So I think I like the under in both of the quarterback uh, passing yard props. So for wow. Mahomes, that's 294.5. And for Jalen Hurts, it's 241.5. And in the case of Hurts, I feel like if the Eagles are going to win, their run game is going to be such a crucial component that it's hard for me to imagine them having, I don't know, 450 yards of offense. So I, I just think then the the area, unless they're getting my fear for the Jalen Hurts under would be them falling behind by a lot and picking up some cheap yards. And all of a sudden Jalen Hurts in like the third quarter has 120 yards. And with a few minutes left in the fourth, he's on like 270 and they're still losing by 10 points. For Mahomes, I don't know, expecting a quarterback to go over 300 yards in the Super Bowl 
I just think people expect, you know, these high scoring, explosive, best versions of every team's offense. And history would kind of tell us that things slow down a lot. People are a bit more conservative. And so 294, it's it's a high number. So I guess that's I'd lean the under on both of the quarterback specific props. Uh, yeah, so the Chiefs, I'll just I'll throw a stat for you there. The Chiefs average 298 yards passing per game and have passed for 300 yards in 10 regular season games. But I don't think either in playoff games. Yeah. And then in terms of touchdown scorers, you I mean, I think any time touchdown score, Travis Kelsey's 10 to 11, so just under even money. That seems generous. Like, I'd rather bet on Travis Kelsey in any time touchdown score almost than probably anything else from this game. You know, if you think the Chiefs are going to win, I'd rather bet Travis Kelsey as a touchdown scorer than the Chiefs to win. That seems safer to me. But going on a more adventurous anytime touchdown scorer. I like Kadarius Tony. He's five to two anytime. And all right. I'm gonna have to throw out one that burned me when the when the Niners played the Chiefs. You know, Patrick Mahomes obviously was first touchdown scorer in that game. He's twenty five to one first touchdown scorer in this one. So I'm gonna tip Patrick Mahomes to have not back-to-back Super Bowl appearances because he obviously then had the Tampa Bay outing, but back-to-back Super Bowl winning appearances where he scores the first touchdown. So I, I will go. Wow. Eddie, you have made my mom so happy because her number one bet that she's bet the NFL, I think, since she started doing the betting is Mahomes' first touchdown score. It is her go-to bet. I guarantee you it's already in, in her book. <laughs> Well, I then I think your 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 mother might have a nice Sunday then, but yeah, I think. What is he anytime score? So any so he's twenty five to one first time. What is he six to one anytime? Uh, anytime touchdown scorer Patrick Mahomes is fifteen to four, so just under four to one. Yeah, I mean the issue with that right is. He has his ankle injury, but to part of me, that's where like I would bet it even harder because I feel like Mahomes has that thing where it's like, you think my ankle's injured? Watch me run this touchdown. In. I mean, how injured does it look now? Yeah, what you, you know, like that's a Mahomes mindset. What you really need, <laughs> and and you need such a unique set of circumstances to win that bet because it's not like Jalen Hurts; he's not going to take off from thirty yards, right? You need or QB sneak. You need it to be. They never QB sneak Mahomes. No, no not since his kneecap popped out. But yeah, <laughs> no, for real. That's a that's a true statement. I know. You need them to be like second or third and goal, and them to be rolling him out, and then he just realizes he can pick up. You need them to be on like inside the five, pretty much, and him to realize that he can just run to the corner, stick his arm out, just make it inside the pylon. Like that's what you have to imagine if you want to win that bet. But twenty-five to one. Why not? It's worth the roll of the dice. Now that I've said it, you've, you've kind of got to do it just in case, but it's, it's worth a roll of the dice. So I've got a few strange ones for you. Very strange and then a little less strange. So 
the scoregami, Eddie. We've talked often about a scoregami. 20 to 1 that a scoregami will happen in this game. Seems very low. <laughs> I would not take that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, by definition. This is not a Super Bowl scoregami. This is an I mean, NFL scoregami. By, by definition, that's low. Because to say we need yeah. a score that has not happened in the history of the NFL and there's a 21 shot of that seems when most of the likely score outcomes have already been taken. No, that doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense. How about how about this one? This one might be uh, just an interesting fact that people might not know. Will there be an octopus? Do you know what that is? Oh, from the the Eagles or the Flyers? No, it's a uh, scoring a touchdown wow. and then getting the ensuing two point conversion. So getting eight points total for your team. This the same player, you mean? Same player, yes. So, for instance, like if Kelsey caught a touchdown and caught the two-point conversion, 16 to 1 for a player to get an octopus. Oh, that. Uh, I kind of like that, but. <laughs> like, that's a. Fair... So, since, since 2020, sorry. As of this year, there have been 168 octopi in NFL history. Since it was introduced in '94, yeah, that's not a lot, <laughs> but not a lot. I'm sure it's because, but it's it's a fun one that if you won, you could tell people, and people would be like, "What is that?" It's a fun yeah. one to root for. <laughs> but then, what do I think the odds are that there'll be a two point attempt in this game? Hey, you have you have Sirianni. But he never goes he for likes it. to line up for two. Yeah, but he doesn't go for it. <laughs> now the odds that the Eagles line up for a two point attempt at some point in this game—that's odds on. But the the odds that they actually go for it seems less likely. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I, it's a fun bet to have too, just because every touchdown because you don't have to name the player, right? It's just any player. So every touchdown. No, they have to do both. No, I know, but you get the field. So you get every oh, every yeah, time yeah. a player hits scores a touchdown, he then becomes your bet for that two ensuing two point conversion. <laughs> like that's that's kind of fun. I mean, you'd have to really hope for. You have to hope it's Kelsey or Goddard or or, run, I think or, those, running, or backs. A running back. Yeah, it's it's running backs running and tight back. ends or Hurts or Hurts. Actually, the more you look at it in oh, this it's, game, it's all there are quite a few players that could do it. This is a lock. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here are some uh, like fun Super Bowl special ones. I can run through about eight or ten of them. See what you think. Any non QB to have a touchdown pass. 22 to 1. I hate it. Yeah, I don't I especially I can't picture on these teams someone doing it. Except you have your Philly special. That's do they repeat the Philly special? That's what you're relying on there. And it's I not think. the same coach. In all honesty. Right? Not the same coach. <laughs> so, yeah. Any QB to have a reception, 12 to 1. I mean, very similar and no, I hate it for the same reasons. Don't like it. Any player to have a pass completion and a reception and a rush attempt. Nine to one. I don't get that. So <laughs> shouldn't that be the same? Why is that less than the 16? No, because it doesn't have to be a QB. It doesn't have to be a QB. I guess. But... It could be like Miles Sanders throws a ball and completes it and then runs and then receives one. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't like that one either. 60 yard field goal. Nine to one. Um, no, I think your only hope on the 60 yard plus is like end of the half 
because I think even game winning situ- or game yeah. tying game winning situations, you'd need to be you need to be in pretty unique circumstances where they actually line up for a 60 yard plus one. So let me throw that one at you then, Eddie. Either team to kick a game winning walk off field goal at the end of normal time, 10 to one. I don't mind that one. Game winning, did you say, or game winning game tying? Game winning walk off. That's the issue, the walk off yeah. component. Well, th- this is like if you if they kick it and there's like a second yeah, or two left, count? you get screwed. Yeah, no, the, I don't think so. Then no, I walk don't off. like it. Like if they told you <laughs> we're going to count walk off as any field goal within the last ten seconds, that then there isn't a f- an, like a subsequent scoring play. I may be like that. But yeah, you could get absolutely, and and because this is another area where the NFL is surprisingly inaccurate and kind of laissez-faire in their approach in terms of when the clock stops, when you have a field goal attempt, you know, like sometimes the clock keeps running until basically the ball hits the ground. Other time it starts, stops when it hits the net. Like it's very inconsistent as to when they stop that clock. I, yeah, I, that's also... I mean, you could just that that could be done with at halftime, you know, when one team's yeah. up by like 21 points. So I, I don't love it. Yeah, it's tough. How about you want to keep yourself entertained during kickoffs and punts? Any player to return a punt or a kickoff, 14 to 1. Well, I mean, this gets me back into the most heartbreaking non bet I've ever placed the Devin Hester, Devin Hester. Devin Hester opening <laughs> kickoff when I was with a friend of mine and we looked at that bet. A thousand to one on Devin Hester to return the opening kickoff for a touchdown, and he decided it wasn't worth it, and then proceeded to watch him do it. And I felt slightly, as a as a student at the time, even one pound on that would have been amazing. Um, no, I don't, because the Eagles don't have a strong special teams when it comes to returns. And I think I don't even feel like the Chiefs are particularly good at it either. These don't the Chiefs don't. These aren't two teams suited to making big special teams plays. No. And here's some uh, like player ones. Any player to score three touchdowns, three or more. It's Travis Kelsey, right? Four. It's uh, plus four fifty, so nine to two. I think you'd be better off. Kelsey maybe hurts. Three rushing TDs? Three rushing TDs is a lot. <laughs> yeah. A running back could do it. But both of these teams kind of have running back by committee a little bit. Pachenko maybe doing like two receiving and one running. Maybe. I think or it's the other way around. I think it's, it's Kelsey. Kelsey and you may have... At that point, then you just do Kelsey yeah. and it'll be a lot more for Kelsey plus three yeah. or three or more. Um, any player to have a 55 yard reception. Is five to two or plus two fifty. So one deep ball, one good deep ball. I like that. I mean, you got you got AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, both big deep ball threats. You don't really have so much on the Chiefs for a deep ball threat, really. Maybe you get lucky and you get like Kelsey the over the middle and breaks a tackle. Yeah. yeah. How about? Last one, any player to have either 150 receiving yards or 150 rushing yards. So over 150, either rushing or receiving, 
is seven to two or plus three fifty? Um, I I would say probably no, but it's a fun one. Yeah, that's not a bad one. One guy has one decent game. Yeah, Kelsey. <laughs> a lot of these are just can Kelsey do this? <laughs> that one you'd have enough because you could have Jalen Hurts 150 rushing yards. It could happen. AJ Brown. You could have AJ. I mean, Brown. we just talked about the the Chiefs have one of the worst against number one receivers. And keep in mind, AJ Brown was not happy last game about his his production. So he might uh, he might want the ball early and might get the ball early. He might see them give like one or two deep shots early on to get him involved. Get them less pissy. But yeah, no, I, I, I'd give it, I'd give it a chance. But no, I think the octopus one of all the ones you listed, I think <laughs> the octopus. It's just a fun. It's one, a fun one, and you've got a chance right up. I think it's fun if you're gonna do the like fun, bigger odd bet. You want something that you have the chance right up until the very end of the game, sort of almost no matter what the circumstances are. And the benefit of the octopus one is. You're in it till really the final play. Like there is a small chance for you at any moment in time. They also have like the um, the past the, the Super Bowl like breaking records. Very tough to break the passing records. I don't think we're going to see that. So forty to one to break the touchdown record, which is six and a half, and thirty-five to one to break the passing yard record, which is five hundred and five yards. Yeah, that's, that's Tom Brady. That's a Brady stat that ain't getting broken. No, that's <laughs> that's that's one of those records that will. I mean, even more incredible, right? He did it in a losing effort because he did that against the Eagles. So, throw for over five hundred yards and not even win the Super Bowl, but, uh, yeah, no, I I don't think either of those records will be broken in this game. The one that is so the the I guess the two that are reasonable is you have the passing yards record, which is two hundred and fifteen yards. That's sixteen to one. That's the lowest odds. And then the rushing yards is two hundred and four yards. That's twenty five to one. I just don't. The the Eagles run the ball a lot, and they have a great running team. But they run a little bit by committee. You know, you have Sanders, Gainwell, and Hertz. So they could combine for a ton of yards, but I don't think any one of them in particular is going to go over 200. The receiving, you can you can talk me into 215. You can talk me into Travis Kelsey going oh, over on. 215. How many 200 plus receiving receiving games does Travis Kelsey have? The answer to that is zero. Zero. <laughs> His best is 191. So you're not only expecting him to break the NFL record, but in doing so to break his own personal record, it just seems unlikely. Do you know who owns the receiving record for the Super Bowl? 11 passes for 215 yards. I mean, I'm tempted to say it was in that Eagles-Patriots game. No? Uh, Gronk? Eddie, in a, come on. In a, come on, Eddie. Eddie, come on. When you say come on, I, I mean, is it Jerry Rice? It is okay. Jerry Rice. <laughs> So then do we wrap things up? You make your score prediction as unlikely as it is that the score prediction comes true, just so it's on record. Uh, I'm going to go. Oh, boy. 30, 20, 30, 28. Chiefs. 
Wow, you're predicting a... I'll say... 34-24 Chiefs. Wow, okay. I think my main bet, though, is I've talked myself... I love teasers. And I've talked myself into... Chiefs plus seven and a half and the over 45 and a half. So teasing both six points. That pretty much puts you at even money. So Chiefs not to lose by more than a touchdown and for it to go over to get to 46 points, which would be like 23-20, which is, or sorry, 26-20. Sorry, I don't know, I said 23. Like 26-20. You know, not, I think that's... It it seems... Highly likely, although, uh, you know, like it's not inconceivable that the Chiefs lose by more than a touchdown. The Eagles just blow them out. Not even a blowout, but <laughs> lose by 10. You know what I mean? Like there's I, I not going to happen. No, this is this is also all set up for the ultimate Duke of curse kicking the balls. It's a tie game. Eagles score with like three seconds left. Sirianni doing the most Sirianni thing ever lines up to go for two. The octopus wins, but you've not bet on it. <laughs> Eagles win by eight. Well, the uh, a really popular one right now, a prop bet, is last score to be a defensive score because of the fact that maybe a team is down and they pull like the stupid lateral play and then the other team gets it and runs it back. I don't like that bet because I think most teams understand at this point in the you Super Bowl, if it. you get that ball, you just yeah. fall on it. I don't like it. If you could give me last play turnover, I'd be okay with that bet, but I bet you the odds aren't as great as you think they are. But last bet defensive touchdown, I don't like because I don't think many players would do it. No, I agree with you. At that point, you just go for the defensive. The stage is you too do big. defensive touchdown at any point in the game, which you'd still get pretty good odds on. And then, then you're, I think that's more enjoyable. But, and even then, I think you'd yeah. lose. But, yeah, I don't see a scenario. The only way you win that is like the lateral happen, like the fumble happens on inside the five yard line, and it's just obvious that they can kind of roll in or something. But if it happens, no one's trying to return, go for the 40 yard return. Unless, I mean, who knows? NFL players are really dumb. So it is possible. <laughs> I mean, your better bet on that is the pick is the final score is like a pick six, but not as time expires that, you know, because when would you have had that happen? Yeah. Colts Saints was the final score of pick six. There was the game ceiling pick six manning through the. Uh, oh, yeah. Was that last score? But was it the very last play? Oh, you want to the bet is this is the oh, last score. Yeah, yeah, last yeah, score. Yeah, last yeah, score, yeah. Right? that would have been the last score. Yeah. All right. Anything else Super Bowl related, Eddie? Don't think so. And that's pretty much it for me. What is going to be your food of choice for the Super Bowl? It's a little tough because it starts so late for yeah, you. And we won't be, we almost certainly will not be in a place that's serving food. There is, there are two options on the table in terms of where we will watch it, where food, well, three options, either at home, so then there can be a whole food planning that goes into it. Or there's a bar we could go to that will serve food throughout the night. There is the official Super Bowl party 
of France at a place not far from me, which I guess is wow. The official Super Bowl party of France. Yeah. That sounds like a big deal. Yeah. Sounds like the Prince of Paris should be there. For so that. it's twenty euros to get in for a normal ticket. It's eighty euros for a VIP ticket. It, the promises they make are. What does the VIP get? I guess you? just a more comfortable seating arrangement, perhaps, or like guaranteed seating. Who knows? Uh, but there's, it's unclear what the what anything gets you because it says with the eighty euros you get drinks. Now, I'm assuming that's like non-alcoholic drinks because if for 80 euros <laughs> they're giving me all for all four I can hours drink. Well, no it starts at, at least. nine there the party wow so if you're telling me i could go for you know eight nine hours on all you i mean i would they'll be bankrupts but <laughs> i yeah I'm, I'm leaning towards a place that probably won't have food in which case i don't know we maybe order pizza and stuff like at around midnight and then you're just holding on to that pizza for four hours it's not great what about empanadas <laughs> but then even then you're the cutoff time for an empanada is is like two hours before kickoff how good is an empanada a four a four hour old <laughs> empanada it's not great <laughs> probably still great <laughs> yeah i'm still undecided um i've had the invite to a few super bowl parties and while i do like super bowl parties i like the idea of a lot of food a lot of food options you know everyone's going to make some really good stuff part of me always hates watching games with people i really i really enjoy just watching a game by myself uh I don't have to listen to anyone or argue with anyone. So I'm not sure about that. We do sometimes go to a bar. There's a really nice bar that's kind of like uh, has like good burgers, pizza, wings, that like that kind of option. Uh, and there's a really good barbecue bar that we used to go to a lot for Super Bowls. We did like three or four Super Bowls in a row. We went to this barbecue place and we were the only ones at times that would go to watch the Super Bowl because most people have their own parties. So they put us in like a private room with like a huge uh, projector TV. So that was kind of nice. Uh, so maybe we do something like that again. It just, I think it depends on how hungry I'm going to be. <laughs> if I'm super hungry, maybe we go to a bar and watch it. If, if I kind of just want to hang out, I don't, I have a nice TV. I have a good couch. I can sit at home and enjoy the, enjoy watching an octopi myself. It's it, which is the hard <laughs> thing. I mean, that's the downside to here with it being really late. It's hard to predict, for example, how hungry you'll be. Now there's always like Uber Eats options, but you're you know, you're limited. You can get like a two AM McDonald's. Yeah. Which you can pull Eddie one of your greatest moves you've ever pulled when you Uber eated like the twenty McDonald's burgers that one time we were at the bar. Oh yeah. <laughs> that definitely goes down as one of the best things you've done. <laughs> In your life, the pure joy on people's faces when those burgers came out. I mean, people literally were doing things for these for these two euro burgers. No, it is true. That's a good. It's a pro tip to people that for for like twenty to thirty bucks, you can just order a bunch of burgers to show up to a bar when people are starting to get a bit hungry, and you can make people's night. Just the people who have accepted like if you've been drinking for a few hours and they've accepted that they probably should have eaten more but that option's out the window and then they see the burger turn up it's it's good i mean yeah we could last year we did order during the super bowl we ordered mcdonald's at at around one or two 
I mean, if you go to the bar I think you're going to go to that doesn't serve food, and at halftime you order 50 double cheeseburgers from McDonald's, you could make a fortune. Forget gambling. You'll make your most money selling those double cheeseburgers at that it's bar. It's true. I mean, how much do you for five euros? Five euros. Yeah. Five euros a burger. Easy. Nice and easy number. The thing is, I don't think people would do it because they would know they would feel like they were getting ripped off. Like, I think if you made burgers at home and then they can't. <laughs> no, but... That's strange. No, I'm not. I'm not uh... <laughs> you show up with like a, a tray of homemade burgers to the bar. Them. I'm not. I'm not saying do this. You're, you're one step away from the guy selling roses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying. Well, that's a good point. I'm not saying do this, but I'm just at least then people would be like, well, they've gone through the effort of making these. I don't know how much the ingredients cost. Maybe they're not really making that much on five euros per burger. But when they know you paid, you know, two fifty on Uber Eats for this, it's just turned up. And now you're trying to charge me double. That's when I think you'd have a few people being like, are you serious? Like if I give you three euros, you've still made money. I think not everyone in the bar is, is, is one of our friends who's going to nickel and dive argue. No, I think you'd be surprised how many people would, though. You could, you, could, you, could, you could either be the most popular person in the bar or the least popular. But I think you'll also get those people who think they're really cool and are like, screw it. Give me five of them and just like hand them out to their friends because they think like they're so cool that they have 25 euros to spend on burgers. Like that makes them like super The other tough. risk you have too is some, you try and sell these, you try and offload these burgers at double the price. And then someone says, well, what's stopping me from just going on Uber Eats and ordering my own burgers? And then all of a sudden. And you respond by, then go ahead and do it. And they won't. Probably not. <laughs> and they have to factor in the delivery fee and the service fee that, that gets added on. So and the time, just the pure time. Like if you told me I can have a burger for five euros now or a burger for three euros, but I have to wait 40 minutes. Oof, that's tough. I might not even be alive in 40 minutes. <laughs> no, look, you raised some good points, but I do not think I will be starting a side hustle selling burgers on Sunday night, but we'll see. We'll see how the night goes. All right. Well, I guess with that, we'll call it a wrap and uh, hope Mahomes can come through for us. Yeah, I guess so. Talk to you later.